This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hey everybody, this is Jessica and welcome to Monster Books Podcast, the podcast where we talk about kids' horror books that adult horror fans will love. Today we're going to be talking about ghost stories and we're going to be looking at four middle grade books. I usually only cover maybe two books per episode, but I really wanted to talk about each one of these books. So I might spend a little less time on each one just so I can get everything in, but don't consider that a reflection on the quality of the books because they're all amazing. we're just going to get right to it. The first book I want to talk about is City of Ghosts by Victoria Schwab. As always, we're going to start with the synopsis. Ever since Cass almost drowned, okay, she did drown, but she doesn't like to think about it. She can pull back the veil that separates the living from the dead and enter the world of spirits. Her best friend is even a ghost. So things are already pretty strange, but they're about to get much stranger. When Cass's parents start hosting a TV show about the world's most haunted places, the family heads off to Edinburgh, Scotland. Here, graveyards, castles, and secret passageways teem with restless phantoms. And when Cass meets a girl who shares her gift, she realizes how much she still has to learn about the veil and herself. And she'll have to learn fast. The city of ghosts is more dangerous than she ever imagined. First of all, I love stories about actual haunted places. Edinburgh is supposed to be one of the most haunted cities on the planet. This is actually a series of books. The second story takes place in the Paris catacombs, which I, you know, story of my life. I have not read the follow-up yet. It sounds amazing, though. I'm so fascinated by the catacombs, as I'm sure most horror fans are. Side note, if you've never seen As Above, So Below, please go see it. It's a great found footage horror movie set in the Paris catacombs. That's just my little plug for a movie that I love. But coming back to City of Ghosts, Schwab, either she lives in Edinburgh or she has lived there before and she really nails the atmosphere. You, you can tell that she's lived there. You can tell that she, because she's got so much detail. There's even a map in the book that shows you all the places that they go and there's such a, a sense of dread that seeps in throughout the whole book because you can just feel the history and you can feel the spirits moving in this city. It's so creepy. You know, since Cass can see spirits, she encounters a lot of ghosts throughout this book, but the main antagonist of the book is just terrifying. The way Schwab describes her, the character reminded me a lot of an image from The Witch, the movie directed by Robert Eggers. There's one particular image in The Witch that always flashes into my mind when I think of this character. And it's so scary and so creepy and so disturbing. But it really, this it really is a nightmare. This is a middle grade book. It's written for kids ages 9 to 12. But I was spooked reading it. I was creeped out. I still think about it from time to time. I still get that image flashing in my mind. You know, part of that is being someone who's fascinated with ghosts and fascinated with hauntings. But I felt really called out by one particular line in the book. As the synopsis said, Cass's parents host this reality show about hauntings, but her dad is a skeptic. Her dad does not believe in ghosts, and Cass doesn't think that her mom does either. The quote is, I don't know if mom really believes in ghosts, or if she just wants to believe because it makes the world more interesting. 
And I just, I had to put the book down at that point <laughs> because I felt so called out because I, I tell myself that I believe in ghosts, but then I thought, am I really just a skeptic who thinks it's cooler if ghosts exist? Am I happier living in a world that I think is spooky, but I believe deep down is not as spooky as I want it to be? You know, I still struggle with that because I don't think I've ever seen a ghost, but I, you know, I don't want to because I'm scared of them. But at the same time, I want to because I want to feel like the world is bigger and creepier and more mysterious than what we see in our daily lives. So, I, you know, that, that line still haunts me, no pun intended, <laughs> because I don't know if, if I believe in ghosts or I just want to believe in ghosts. I don't know. You know, if any of you listening have any ghost stories that happened to you, please let me know. I know I want to believe in ghosts, but I don't know if I actually do or not. And I don't know if I want to be visited by one to shake my worldview. But, you know, my existential crisis aside, City of Ghosts is a really creepy, really riveting book. It's so interesting. Cass is such a cool character. And it's a really interesting dynamic between this girl who can actually see ghosts and her parents who either pretend to or who say, oh, no, ghosts don't exist. There's no chance. And, you know, throwing someone who can see beyond the veil into one of the most haunted cities on the planet, possibly the most haunted city on the planet. It's such a cool concept. And it really lets the story explore different kinds of ghosts, different kinds of hauntings. And it's a really creepy book and it really keeps you turning the pages. So I highly recommend it. And, you know, please keep me accountable. Please make me go read the sequel. And there's a third book coming out soon as well. Please make me follow up on these series that I'm so excited about. So if you've read City of Ghosts, if you've read any of the follow-up books, let me know what you thought. And if you haven't, please check them out because City of Ghosts is so creepy and it's such a cool story. All right, we're going to zoom along because we've got a lot of books to talk about. The next one is A Properly Unhaunted Place by William Alexander. We're going to start with a synopsis. Rosa Ramona Diaz has just moved to the small, unhaunted town of Ingot, the only ghost-free town in the world. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't understand how her mother, a librarian who specializes in ghost appeasement, could possibly want to live in a place with no ghosts. Frankly, she doesn't understand why anyone would. Jasper Chevalier has always lived in Ingot. His father plays a knight at the local Renaissance Festival, and his mother plays the queen. Jasper has never seen a ghost and can't imagine his unhaunted town any other way. Then an apparition thunders into the festival grounds and turns the quiet town upside down. Something otherworldly is about to be unleashed, and Rosa will need all her ghost appeasement tools and a little help from Jasper to rein in the angry spirits and restore peace to Ingot before it's too late. So here we've got another really cool take on ghosts. And again, this is part of a series. There's a follow-up um, to this called A Festival of Ghosts. But in this book, every single town in the world is haunted except this one. And ghost appeasement specialists are librarians because librarians hold knowledge and they know history. And rather than ghost busting, just killing ghosts, they figure out what the ghosts want, what the ghosts need, what their unfinished business is, and they help them deal with it. It's such a cool endorsement of libraries and of understanding your history and holding knowledge dear, of cherishing knowledge, cherishing history. It's a really cool idea. 
And plus, like I talked about with City of Ghosts and wanting to believe that ghosts are real, I love the idea of a world where ghosts are everywhere. They don't exist in this one town, but that becomes part of the mystery. Why, why are there no ghosts in this town? What's going on? Things are not natural. It's unnatural not to have a supernatural happening in this town. What's going on? So Rosa has to figure out what's happening and she has to work with her friend Jasper to do it. For the most part, the book is not overtly political, but I myself think that there are strong parallels between the book's villain and a popular politician. Author William Alexander, according to his biography, he's the son of a Latinx immigrant. And a lot of this book works as an indictment of anti-immigrant rhetoric because the book's villain is this self-aggrandizing man who wants to build a wall to hold back history and isolate people, both geographically and intellectually. And it's so hard for me to ignore those parallels. You know, we, I've talked in previous episodes and I will talk in future episodes about horror is political. Kids books are political because politics is about the things that affect our everyday lives. The things that hold us back or the people that hold us back. The people that marginalize us or marginalize other people. So a kid's book about ghosts can still be quite political and I believe that this one is. You know, and the central mystery is really compelling and I love books that respect the supernatural, that respect ghosts and spirits and don't see them as evil things to destroy necessarily. Not that there aren't some things out there that need banishing. There are certainly spirits and demons, I think, that need to not bother us on this plane of existence. But I don't think that all ghosts are malevolent. Like in this book, a lot of the ghosts just, they have unfinished business or they're tethered to a place. Or they're just going about their normal everyday afterlives, just trying to do their ghost thing. And people coexist with them. They coexist with history. They coexist with the past. And you have to accept the past and learn from it and move forward from there. You can't pretend that you're the only generation that's ever existed and nothing ever happened before you. That's that's the whole point of these librarians, these ghost appeasement specialists. They They learn from history, they collect and hold history, and they teach people to respect everyone and to learn and grow. So it's, it's such a cool use of ghost stories as a way to, you know, examine ways we can be better as a society and better as people. You know, ghosts are not always evil. They're not always scary. Sometimes a ghost is just a reminder of the way things used to be or who someone used to be. And there there's a lot of power in that and a lot of comfort in that. And there's also, you know, things we need to learn from that and avoid in the future. So it's a really cool book. It's it's a really creepy book and it's one that I highly recommend. So A Properly Unhaunted Place. Please check that one out as well. We're going to move on to our next one now. It's uh, Scary Stories for Young Foxes by Christian McKay Heidecker. The synopsis reads... When fox kits Mia and Uli are separated from their litters, they quickly learn that the world is a dangerous place filled with monsters. As the young foxes travel across field and forest in search of a home, they'll face a zombie who hungers for their tender flesh, a witch who wants to wear their skins, a ghost who haunts and hunts them, and so much more. 
I do have a couple of content warnings for this one. There is some animal cruelty. It's It can be a little rough at times. This is a really dark book. Uh, also, there is quite a bit of ableism in this. So just be forewarned going in. It's an, an illustrated collection of these interconnected stories. But this is not something that I think of as just being for kids. None of the books that I mentioned on this podcast are... But there's a bleakness to this one that really sets it apart. If you've read Watership Down, there are a lot of parallels between this and Watership Down about the cruelty of nature and just this epic, grueling journey that puts these characters through the ringer. It is not sunshine and rainbows and happy little foxes traipsing through a meadow. No, these foxes go through hell. They really do. And the depiction of humans could not be less complimentary. (laughs) Um, There's a strong element of environmental conservationism in this. And I didn't grow up reading Beatrix Potter. So this book didn't really shatter my childhood memories. But if you grew up a fan of Beatrix Potter and you don't know much about her history, about her biography, you might be in for a bit of a shock here. She is a character in this book and... Wow, is she a terror. She is a nightmare in this book. It is really frightening and really disturbing. So, you know, be aware of that going in because it's really, really scary. Like the synopsis mentioned, there are a lot of different subgenres that the book plays with. Zombies, ghosts, witches. It touches on a lot of horror tropes, but it uses them to talk about how, you know, the, the main horror... The biggest horror in the world is just trying to make it through life, just trying to survive another day, which is just about the bleakest and scariest thing you can read. You know, if somebody says to you, serial killers aren't scary, ghosts aren't scary, zombies aren't scary, life is scary. Just you trying to survive, waking up in the morning, going to bed at night, waking up again tomorrow, that's the scary part. That's the hard part. That's horror. (laughs) That's horror right there. That's the kind of horror I like. I've talked about how much I like bleak endings and bleak stories before. If you want existential despair, if you want to finish a book and then just lie on your bed and stare at the ceiling thinking about how awful... life can be. (laughs) This is the book for you. I mean, it's still something that's totally appropriate for kids, and I think it's something that kids should read. I, I don't think that kids should read books that are only sunshine and rainbows. If that's what they want to read, then that's what they want to read, and you shouldn't force something hideously depressing into their hands if they don't want to read it. But I don't think they should be discouraged from reading things that say, yeah, life is hard. Life is scary. Not everything goes your way. Horrible things happen to good people sometimes. And you just have to deal with it. You have to keep moving forward. And you have to deal with the monsters as best you can without turning into a monster yourself. So, looks can be deceiving. The cover of this book, its the, the illustrations are really fantastic um, by Junyi Wu, who did the cover and the interior art. It's, it's really eerie. It's really sketchy and scratchy. The illustrations look creepy to me. But if you're feeling iffy about being seen with a book with cartoony foxes on the cover, and it's called Scary Stories for Young Foxes, don't let anybody tell you this is not a horror story. Because this is terrifying. It is depressing. It, it's, it's really creepy. It's really frightening. And I think it ranks up there with some of the best, you know, bleak horror out there.
So I, Scary Stories for Young Foxes, I highly recommend it for kids and for adults. Don't be scared to give kids these downers. I'm telling you, I read Watership Down when I was very, very young and it's still one of my favorite books because I, you know, I like reading about the times when everything doesn't go well because things aren't always going to go well in life and books can you prepare you for that. Horror can prepare you for that. I've seen a bunch of studies that you know, going through this COVID-19 pandemic, that horror fans are more equipped than the general public in dealing with the horror of the lockdown and the horror of the pandemic because we've been training for this. And kids reading horror, adults reading horror, where bad things happen, where scary things happen, where no one comes to save the day, not everybody survives. It's important. It helps you get ready for life. So, you know, if anybody catches you reading this book and gives you static, you send them to me and I will defend you because this is a great book and it's one that's going to prepare you for life. I'm telling you. So, okay, stepping off of the soapbox now <laughs> and I'm going to get to our final book. This one is Small Spaces by Katherine Arden. So the synopsis reads, after suffering a tragic loss, 11-year-old Ollie only finds solace in books. So when she happens upon a crazed woman at the river threatening to throw a book into the water, Ollie doesn't think. She just acts, stealing the book and running away. As she begins to read the slender volume, Ollie discovers a chilling story about a girl named Beth, the two brothers who both loved her, and a peculiar deal made with the smiling man, a sinister specter who grants your most tightly held wish but only for the ultimate price. Ollie is captivated by the tale until her school trip the next day to Smoke Hollow, a local farm with a haunting history all its own. There she stumbles upon the graves of the very people she's been reading about. Could it be the story about the smiling man is true? Small Spaces is legitimately one of the scariest books I've ever read. I can't remember a book I've read that had such a perfect fall Halloween vibe. These kids go on this school trip and they start seeing they start seeing a scarecrow everywhere. Um, I've always been terrified of scarecrows. I, I love it when people explore scarecrows in horror. They always seem to move when you're not looking at them. And that is definitely true in this book. They're always staring at you. As soon as you turn your back, they move. But if you turn back around, they're just staring at you with those lifeless eyes. But if you stare at them long enough, you convince yourself that you're going to catch them moving. They just, oh, they just, oh God, they give me the creeps. <laughs> so this sense of dread just seeps throughout the book. And it starts out, there's, you know, this bus wreck and all these kids having to walk through the woods. They get to this creepy field trip destination where everybody's just a little bit off and you just know something terrible is going to happen. And like everything else that w we talk about on this podcast, there's more going on here than just the ghost story, though. Ollie lost her mom, so she's dealing with a lot of grief. She's dealing with a lot of trauma. She doesn't have a lot of close friends, but some of her classmates are really cool characters. Uh, there's a girl named Coco. She's this really pretty, really feminine young girl who cries a lot. But Arden really drives home the point in this quote. Coco didn't cry because she was weak. Coco cried because she felt things. Feeling is not weakness. Femininity 
is not weakness. And the fact that she took time in this book to make that point, and she did it organically, she did it in a cool way, I really liked that. It's something that I think kids need to learn, it's something that some adults need to learn. Arden really seems like she wants to break down some stereotypes in this book. Ollie's dad knits and bakes, and her mom was this adventurer and athlete and she was kind of the the fierce protector of the family you know her mom held stereotypically male roles and her dad does stereotypically female things with you know knitting and baking and doing things that are kind of homey and I really like that Ollie's dad is really nurturing and that's something that Ollie needs because she's just got one parent left I will say the ending felt a little rushed on this one but that might have been partly just because I was enjoying the book so much and enjoying the creepiness. The creep factor is so high on this book. It's really, really scary. And it's a perfect autumn read. It's a perfect Halloween read. But you could read this year round and still it'll scare the daylights out of you. But at the end of the day, it's really about grief. It's about Ollie learning that you know, whatever demons you're trying to avoid, you can't hide forever. Because the last half of this book is just basically an extended chase. Everybody running for their lives. But you can't run forever. You can't run from the past. You can't run from your grief. You have to face it head on at some point. And I've spoken before about how a lot of these books deal with family trauma and grief. And I mean, what could be more universal than that? Unfortunately, that's, it's just something that as humans, we have to deal with. And there's a lot of horror in that. There is a lot of terror in grief and facing the fact that we are going to lose people and not be able to get them back. So small spaces, if you like spooky autumn stories, if you are terrified of scarecrows like I am, you will definitely love this book. It's such a suspenseful, such a creepy book. Um, I really, really recommend it if you like ghost stories. <laughs> So those are my four middle grade ghost story recommendations. Uh, we covered a lot of things. We covered immigration and history and grief and mortality and coming to terms with what you believe versus what your parents believe and facing the f idea that humans are far scarier than any other monster in the world and just the fact that daily living is scarier than anything else in the world. You know, you might have been thinking that middle grade episodes would be lighter than young adult episodes because it's aimed at a younger age range, but that is rarely the case. <laughs> I, that might be one of the reasons that I like middle grade so much because that seems to be an age where you're starting to realize, oh my gosh, life is so much harder and so much darker than I thought it was. And, you know, these are fun books. They're so fun. They are super fast reads. They're really entertaining, but they're heavy. A lot of middle grade books are heavy because that's when the weight of the world starts to descend on kids. When you get out of single digits and you're not quite an adolescent yet, but you can feel that heaviness start to descend on you. I just, I love that transition period. I love that sense of discovery, even though it's not necessarily a good discovery to make. But I love that sense of this is, this is what it feels like for the weight of the world to start coming down. This is what it feels like to open your eyes and start to see things for how they truly are. And the opportunity for horror in that kind of realization in every aspect of your life, there are so many opportunities there. I think that's why I love middle grade horror so much because 
you look around and you start to see just how scary everything is. Everything is scary. Everything is scary. And you start to realize that at that age. So (laughs) on that cheerful note, thank you ever so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you like the format better when I talk about several books versus just talking about a couple of books. I want this podcast to be something that you enjoy and that you look forward to listening to. So let me know what you like. Let me know what you want to hear about. If you have read any of these books, please let me know your thoughts. And if you go check them out, please tell me if you liked them. I really hope that you like them. Um, And as always, you know, come follow me on Twitter. Follow the podcast. Subscribe. Like. Comment. Give me a rating. Give me five stars if you feel so inclined. I would love that. And I really appreciate you listening. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much and keep it creepy. Squad.